What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. You're listening to the Eyes on Isles podcast with Matt O'Leary and Mitch Anderson. Hello and welcome to the Eyes on Isles podcast, episode number 188. What's going on? I am Matt O'Leary with Mitch Anderson. Mitch, what's going on, buddy? Really? Not not a whole lot. Usually I have some like funny anecdote or something weird happen with my day that I just got to get off my chest and uh, nothing. I, I got nothing, man. It's just it's just been a day. Uh, it's been a couple of days going on. It's been a year. <laughs> Good times. What about you? I have breaking Matt O'Leary news from to, as of today. So, I and I know you will appreciate this because I, I just, I know you. Today, yeah. what is today? March 24th, 2021. Matt O'Leary got his first pair of glasses. Whoa. There you go. What, wait, are they like blue blocker glasses or? No, 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 no. We're not. We're talking legit. I need him. I need him for driving. So that's why I'm not wearing them right now because I'm talking to you on the computer and it's pretty close but for distance your boy needs some spectacles so uh, i picked those up today and uh gotta be honest with you man i my eyes are gonna have to get used to it a little bit because i my depth perception was thrown off a little bit when i first put those on really yeah that it does that something i know when i got mine it was weird at first but now and my doctor too like he's like your your eyes aren't gonna get used to them that's bs when i take them off now it's like oh I, I don't have a, a bad prescription. It's it's really weak. I have astigmatism in one eye. Um, but like, anyways, welcome to the geriatric hour, I guess. Right? Yeah, there you go. So I, I wanted to get that in there. And as for a glasses wear, I was wondering how long is it going to take for me to get used to these things? A couple days, maybe? I would say about a week. Yeah. A week? Okay. I could live with that. It was just the first day. It was like I was in a whole new world. It was, it was very interesting. Yeah, because like you said, they're not prescription glasses, right? So it is what it is. Yeah, it's it's for well, I mean, it is a prescription, but it's for for driving and distance, so it's it's slight, right? So it'll be fine. You'll be all right. You'll get used to them, and you'll get used to them pretty quick. Um, but uh, good good on you for getting glasses, I guess. <laughs> Welcome to the old person world. Yes, absolutely. So uh, before we jump into this episode, Mitch, we should probably talk about our friends over at Manscaped. So I don't know if you know this. But we have an exclusive 20% off promo code for our listeners at manscaped.com. So all you have to do is go over to manscaped.com, use our promo code FANSIDED20, and you can look at the Lawnmower 3.0, which is a Mitch Anderson favorite. I, myself, I've got right here. I always show Mitch on the camera because he's the only one who could see it. This is an audio platform, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to show him on the camera. The refined cologne is also a good get. Uh, and 20% off and free shipping is a pretty good deal, right, Mitch? I, Yeah, heck yeah, it's a good deal. Honestly, when when I found out we were going to be um, 
sell, selling this essentially i was i was already in uh because i'm i'm a fan i have it i had it before uh it just it's real i really enjoy it a lot i use it about once a week it's not something you do every day but no. man it is a, it's an honest to god game changer it really is um the led light is my favorite feature bar none Absolutely. So if you're interested, head on over to their website and you can pick yourself up something nice. So with that, let's jump into episode number 188, Mitch. Uh, A couple of things. So last week we were talking up Kiefer Bellows because he had uh, some goals in his first. He had three goals in his first two games back. Uh, Since then, Mitch, he has returned back to not playing. And instead, we have top line Leo which that's what I am just referring to him as. It's no more Uncle Leo. He is now top-line Leo until he's not top-line Leo. So let's talk about him. Yeah, it's, it's really strange, right? So Bellows has two goals in his first game back. A goal in the game afterwards, no points, no points, and then he's out. And, like, the ice time dips, right? He goes from 14-52 game one, 15-10 game two, 12-57, 12-31, out. For, and then... Leo Komarov comes in for him. What? That is not a one-for-one swap, like, at all by any stream. You might as well put Ross Johnson out there, and I know people have been calling for it, but, like, come on. Um, But I I just don't get the swap, and and why Kiefer Bell... He had six six hits, like, two games before he was was benched. Two hits the day before that, or the game before that. Like, a shot every game, like... I don't understand what is not to like about his game. I understand it may not be a top-line level play, but nor is Leo Komarov. No, 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 absolutely not. And uh, you have, well, you wrote about it today. It was a quote that he had after his most recent. So he's been on the top line for two games now. And after the most recent one, there was a play where Jordan Eberle and Matt Barzat, well, it was Barzat with the puck. Eberle was going towards the net. And Jordan, uh, not Jordan, I believe, excuse me, Leo Komarov is going the exact opposite direction. He is leaving the zone. He said, no more offensive time. Get me out. I don't want to be here. He heads off. He goes back to the bench. Uh, And when asked about it, he had an interesting response. Right, Mitch? Just I, I, my job is to stay out of the way. (laughs) what that's like something like when i would go when i worked for my cousin as a plumber and didn't know anything about plumbing that's basically what he told me was just stay out of the way which was not good i was not an asset to that company nor is leo komarov an asset to the top line and it's it's the same thing look he didn't say my job is to stay out of the way he said i know what my job is uh and i'm gonna stay out of the way or i'm just going to stay out of the way i think is the exact quote and you any way you dissect that, saying I have to stay out of the way, is not a good thing. And I understand what he's saying there. It's just like Matthew Barzell and Jordan Eberle are going to do a lot of the work, and I'm just going to be there. Well, I'm sorry, but like, no offense to Leo, although like I guess this is kind of it. Like, he's not a top line player, and he knows it. He knows it. Just, I'm going to stay out of the way. What? We cannot have a player who's on the top line just stay out of the way. And you know what? He's taking that to heart. Like you said, that offensive zone, he's gone. He was in the slot on that play. And it was a perfect triangle. He was alone in the slot. And the puck's coming to him, except he decided to like, nope, I have to get the hell out of here. I have to remember, I'm staying out of the way. Why are we doing this? It doesn't make any sense. If he's there on Thursday, assuming we play... Like, this is going to be absolute bananas. I don't understand why Barry Trotz would put Leo Komarov on the top line. I don't know. That's a great question. Like, it's not the 1980s anymore. 
It just really isn't. And so there's no reason to have someone who's going to be like, he's good defensively and he's going to crash and burn, right? Like or a crash and bang, I think is the, the, the wording. Why? No, we don't need that at all. I understand that that has value and he has, I don't know, um, off not offenses, but the physical uh, capabilities that Anders Lee may also have. But like they're, they're, those are still not one for one. No, yeah, it's not. And it's... Like, a part of me feels bad because it's not fair to Leo. Like, he, he's, he shouldn't be put in this situation to begin with. But at the same time, like, it, it's just hard not to get frustrated in the moment because, like you said, we're seeing these offensive chances and he's just nowhere near where he's supposed to be. And you're right. Like, it's not fair to him. But I I also have to, you, you look at the roster, you're like, who else is going to play there? You can say, okay, Bellows. let's put Bovilli up there. Yeah, okay, you can say bellows, but, like, it's clearly not always working, right? Mm. It would be better. It would definitely be better. But even then, you're, you're swapping out Anders Lee for Kiefer Bellows. That's not a that's not a good swap. No. Um, but you're right, assuming, like, knowing that Anders Lee's out indefinitely, why aren't we playing Kiefer Bellows up there? Or putting a more seasoned player up there and putting Kiefer Bellows somewhere else. Yeah, that's totally fair. And I'm with you on not putting Beauvillier up there. I actually wrote about... Um, not giving him that chance on the top line just because I don't, I don't think he's been playing well up until the last couple of games where he has two goals in back-to-back games, including the game winner, which was nice. Uh, but he looks to be found a place on the third line, and to me, he's more of a middle six guy than up on the top line. Uh, not that Leo Komarov right now is a deserving option on the top line either, but um, with, with Bo specifically, like that seems to be working. So that kind of gets us into the question of, well, what is the plan then at um, for top line left wing? It's got to be the trade market. It, it has to be because that, that's your gap now. Okay, We figured the gap was with Anders Lee in the, in the lineup. We needed a, a, a third pair left wing. That's what we needed. Yep. Well, we found it in the Anthony Bovilli. That's working. Check. Cool. Uh, second line kind of working as more of a shutdown line with, with Dal Cole, Nelson, and, and Bailey. That seems to be doing all right. All right, check. Fourth line, no one's touching that. Now we just need a top line player. That's all. Yeah, uh, that's it. That's easy to find. So like that, that's going to be the uh, what Lou Lamarello is going to be looking for at the trade deadline, without question. I, I don't think it goes even beyond that. It's really just a top line forward. Yeah, I would think so too. Uh, so I guess my question is, who are those options? Th- there are names floating around everywhere, man. Like because that that's the nature of the beast, right? We're all speculatory. We're all trying to figure out what Lou Lamarello is doing. We're trying to fit the, the you know. Uh, the, the, the puzzle pieces together to figure out what his plan actually is. And, and of course, he doesn't actually know it either. It's not like I'm going to pick up the phone today and go acquire the player that I want to play, uh, want to uh, you know have in my lineup. It's I'm going to pick up the phone and I'm going to try to do so based off the list of players that I've established are good targets. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, I think we've learned from the short time he's been here that he's a picky guy. So he's not just going to make a move to make one. It has to be someone who's going to be able to come in here and gel. And to me, I think that narrows the list a little bit. Yeah, he talked to, or at least Pierre Lebrun published an article today is saying exactly that. Like the list is going to be low because Lou Lamarello, in his own words, said like, it's got to be a guy who's going to come in and gel right away. A la Jean-Gabriel Peugeot and Andy Green last year. They've got to fit in. And so I can't just go and pick anyone and throw them in and it's going to work. Uh, but like, who are those players, man? And, and then we got to consider all the like million other factors of cap, 
accruable cap space, left-handed, right-handed expansion draft considerations, how much it's going to cost. Like, it's wild, man. Absolutely. And the name that keeps coming up in my head when trying to think of a, a fit and just a player who would be able to come in here and help on top of that, I, I would imagine Kyle Palmieri is going to be high up on his list. I think so. I think it's going to be Kyle Palmieri 1, probably Taylor Hall 2, uh, and I can't really think of a better. Th- maybe Rickard Raquel is number 3. Yeah, and he's pr- he's a little bit of a step down from the group, and he still has one more year left, but he's he almost, in a sense, reminds me of J.G. Pajot in the sense, like he's having a career year, and someone who's usually on like a like a third line kind of guy who's producing a little bit more than that. Right? Are we now. talking about Raquel right now? Well, more recently, I know he's had as a couple of thirty goal seasons, right? Uh, but his goal numbers have come down a little bit, and now it's trending back upwards. So maybe that's really not a great comparison, I guess. But maybe someone who was was trending down, who is having a resurgent year, is probably a better description. Yeah, like it shows that he still has that quality where that he had a couple of years ago, like you said, where he put up third. You know, I think it was back to back thirty goal years, right? Thirty mm-hmm. and thirty six, if I'm not mistaken. I could be off by one or two. Um, that that's going to be option number three because, like you mentioned, and and that's a big key too. He's got term. It's only a year left, but it's still a year outside of this when the Islanders don't have money already. So that's going to be tough. No, totally. It, it's. It's going to be a little challenging, and yeah, how the hell are you going to fit that in? So that's why I feel like it's almost the perfect storm, and I know you're not a big rental guy, and I understand why you're not, but I almost feel like this is the perfect storm for a rental because it's replacing Anders Lee, who is going to come back next year. You literally just need someone for this year to fill that spot. Yeah, as long as we're paying the price, like a fair price, I don't want to pay, and I'm obviously not the one paying it. It's not coming out of my pocket, but I would hate to see the Islanders overpay for a rental right like losing a first round pick would suck unless we're getting like the best rental possible and i don't think the best rental possible is is taylor hall no um with that being said i i don't have a list of the best rentals possible i haven't combed through that list yet um but i i don't want to lose a first to have a guy around for two months or three months or whatever it's going to be i don't I don't think they would have to lose a first on either of those guys. And that's why I'm comfortable with it. With with Kyle Palmieri, Rickard Raquel, and, and and Taylor Hall as rentals, I'm okay if like we, we lose a second and like a prospect. Cool. I'm I'm fine with that. That that's if that's the price to pay to replace Anders Lee and make a run, I'm down. A name that's come up that I'm not as keen on, but I wanted to get your take on is Dustin Brown. Hate it. Hate it. I hate okay. it so much. Yeah. Um age is definitely a thing and the cap number is definitely how many more years does he have left to one I well, believe, after this right yeah next year is his last year but like 5.8 something is it not yeah i think Let's it's bring five, it up right now it's five seven and change if i remember correctly um, yeah it's some weird like rounding number or whatever yeah but as you pull that up i just that one i i don't want to if it was on an expiring contract maybe i feel slightly different about it but having to pay him still almost six million dollars at what 37 years old next year I really don't want any part of. Um, yeah, so he turns 37 in November. So, yeah, he he's 36 now. That That's rough. Um, I say that. I'm 36 years old, so <laughs> shot myself in the foot there. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, that's fine. Uh, but 5875, average cap hit. He has a $4 million base salary. 
no signing bonuses left, so that that's pretty good. Um, but like, man, that's a lot of money to be adding to the books. We can take that on now. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Whatever. My voice cracked. I, yes, I'm 36 years old. My voice still cracks apparently. Like Happens. I'm 13 or whatever. Um, five eight seven five is a lot of money for next year on a guy who's going to be 37 and. Sure enough, he's had – this is a guy who's been resurging the last little bit, right? Like 28, 22, 17, 14. Those are goals in in every year since 17, 18. Uh, but he's got those years between 15, 14, 15 and 16, 17 where he's popping in 11, 11, 14. Like there's a potential where he, he gets back to that level real quick. I hope so. That would be – I mean that would be nice, right? Well, no, it, w- it wouldn't be if he's on the team, right? If, if we have him at 5.875 and then he regresses to a, an 11-goal player over 82 games. Oh, well, then no, 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 no. Okay. No, I was I misheard. I was thinking inverse of that. Sorry, that right. was my brain not computing for a second. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I said it wrong. It's entirely possible. But if we, we, we bring in a player who's on 14 goals in 29 games, that's pretty damn good. Half a goal per game pace. Uh, th- that be, would be great now. But the problem is the later, like you said, age cap and the potential for it to all go wrong real quick really doesn't help. No, it doesn't. So that one I wouldn't be very keen on. That would that would not be great. Uh, I think, as we said, rental makes the most sense because not only is it just replacing Anders Lee for this year, but because of the cap situation going forward, it's not like you could sign up for, hey, here's a guy who's going to cost us five plus million dollars on the cap. Like they already have a bunch of those guys. Yeah, so like there, there's, I'm looking at the um, the uh, rental, if you will, uh, market right now. Uh, so if I go, not sorting by cap it, but if I do points per game, where is that points per game right here? And I only want forwards because like we don't really care about defensemen. And can we talk about defensemen real quick while I pull up this list? Yes. We don't need a depth defenseman anymore now that we have Thomas Hickey playing, right? Yeah, and Thomas Hickey's look good and... I know it's only been a couple of games, but the fact that his ice time is where it is comparatively to a guy like Sebastian Ajo, who was, who was playing about, what, lit- like literally 10 minutes and change at times, it, it just, yeah, that couldn't fly. If Sebastian Ajo was the only option, then yeah, but Thomas Hickey being able to play 18 and a half minutes and look fine, yeah, you don't need another defenseman. No. Okay, so I've got I've got quite a list here. Like, you got guys like Landis Cog, Ovechkin, Nugent Hopkins, Gabriel Smith, uh, the top four. <laughs> Uh, but all of those are in contending teams, so they're not moving anywhere. Um, David Krejci, Thomas Tatar at number seven. That's one where you're like, all right, I I can I can maybe talk myself into a Thomas Tatar. Yeah, I could. I, I could definitely, I would say. Because Montreal's out of it, if I'm not mistaken, right now. Let me bring up the North standings. They are not. Uh, but Vancouver is only two points behind, and and Vancouver has been resurgent of late. That's seven two and one over the last ten. Um, so it's it's entirely possible. Although like Vancouver has, my God, Montreal has five games in hand on Vancouver. So maybe not. Okay. Wow. I didn't realize um, it was that much already. No, nor did I. But thirty one to thirty six. That's one big. Uh, you know, Montreal's had a couple of games kind of canceled or postponed, I should say. But if Montreal falls out of it, that's the guy that I would look to going like, all right, Thomas Tatar, uh, he's only 30, so he's not like super crazy old, has 20 points on the year already. Uh, it's only six goals, but we're talking about a guy who's put up uh, 22 the year before that in 68 games, 25 and 80 the year before that. Like this guy's a 25 plus goal scorer consistently. 
Yeah, no, exactly. And like you said, he's not old enough to the point where you got to worry about him slowing down. Uh, and he has a ton of experience under his belt, too. Exactly. Um, but outside of that, there aren't a whole lot of, like, really interesting options. Like, Matthias Janmark works, but, like, is Chicago really in a position to be selling right now? No. Now that they're making it? Uh, maybe, but, like, for a 28-year-old? Uh, no, like, come on. I don't think and, so. And it's not like we have, like, premier prospects just sitting and waiting, right? Like, no. I think we do, but, like, other teams clearly don't. No, not to the point. Exactly. Their prospect pool isn't as deep as some other teams, so uh, I'm sure we'll talk about that in the prospect segment coming up in a little bit. I was going to go into it, but I want to I want to leave that for you. Fair enough. Um, so, yeah, like, I, I look at the options, and it's, it really comes down to the three that we were talking about before. Uh, Mike Hoffman on the list because he's only got a one-year deal, but I'm sure that they work something out to keep him there. Although, like, it's not going that well for him in St. Louis. Yeah, that's true. It it hasn't really jumped off the page. That's a good point. But I would imagine that he's he stays. Yeah, I'm same thing. So, yeah. Sweet. Okay, so that's kind of our options for now. It's not pretty, but uh, don't be surprised if Lou Lamarillo does something here. Yeah. What about Patrick Liney? Are we still sure Patrick Liney's not on the market? I don't know. I don't know. Because like Columbus isn't in it right now. They're no. fifth in the in the central. I was going to say to discover, but like, come on. Uh, they're fifth at 33 points, uh, two points back of Chicago level on games. Um, so they're still within the hunt. But like, mm. if they're not in a playoff position, you got to think that this kid's like, get me the hell out of here. Maybe that it, he's an RFA, which is, I mean, not that you want to rent Patrick Line, but how you can make that work going forward. I'm not exactly sure, but that's future problem like future yeah problem if you're bringing in an, a, a patrick line you're like well that's a good problem to have uh i don't know how they work it out financially i'm sure we can go in cap friendly and, and make the math work but like is lou lamer looking actually going to be be able to do these things um but that that's a name that i, I look at now and i go man i i can still see patrick line moving the, the rate that columbus is, is is playing right now absolutely and uh tortorella is a, a stubborn ass so um i wouldn't be surprised if he wants to get him out already. Yeah, that's certainly not helping things at all. Um, anything else on Komarov or the trade front before we move on? No, it's a couple of weeks to go, right? April 12th is a trade deadline, so it's getting close and everyone's getting antsy, but the Islanders will do something. We'll see what, what that is exactly. Let's get into Oliver Wasterman, Ilya Sorokin, Mitch, because I think while it's Krill Kaprizov's award to lose, these two have to get some more uh, recognition in the call of their conversation. Yeah, so Kirill Kaprizov is at negative 250. If I'm looking at uh, Calder votes effective, or sorry, Calder odds effective March 24th, so that's today. Negative uh, 250 for Kirill Kaprizov. No one's even close to that. Next one is Ty Smith at New Jersey at plus 650. Okay. Ilya Sorokin and Oliver Wallstrom are tied with a number of players at plus 2,000, so 20 to 1 odds to win the Calder Trophy. Right. And, I mean, obviously, as we mentioned, the one seems to be a clear favorite here, and that's where the, the books are heading. But um, we have to – I mean, let's just start here. Let's talk about – we got to talk about their seasons and just comparatively how good they've been. Who do you want to start with? You want to go Ollie or you want to go Sorokin first? Let's go Ollie first. All right. So he's been on an absolute tear recently. 
Uh, and he is sneaky getting close to the team leading goals. He's up to eight now with his uh, most recent goal, which is trailing Brock Nelson and uh, Anders Lee, who's done for the year, uh, with 12 goals. And the good thing is that it's all come within the most like a, a small sample size, like in half the games that he's played this year, essentially, is where this production is coming from. Yeah, so it's it just really starting to peak now where he's finding his form. You know, he fell in love with this game away from the puck, and, and now it's starting to pay dividends, and this kid is putting up points, like nonstop. And it's not even just that he's putting up points, because he is, uh, but it's his play consistently, with and without the puck, right? Like, whenever he's close to it, something is bound to happen. He's either going to make a play for the puck, find an open winger or defenseman, or he's going to get he's just going to rifle it on net. Doesn't care where he is. Doesn't even just rifle it towards the net. We'll see what happens. I absolutely love that mentality. No, I do too. I totally do. And that's something the Islanders haven't had in a really long time. So him being able to come in here and just not be afraid to put pucks on net and not be afraid to put pressure on the goalie because it it felt like earlier in the year, how much were we talking about this kid seems to be getting the chances. They're just not converting, but we we like that he is you know not afraid to get these chances. Are well now the conversion is starting and it's it's catching up to uh, you know where we expected it to be. And like this is exciting. It's someone who yeah he's playing on the third line right now, but he just seems like an ascending star ready to get to that top line eventually. Oh yeah, it's it's a top line in waiting type of maneuver right now. It's just Barry Trotz and Lou Lamorello to an extent, managing his confidence. We're putting you in a good situation. We're managing your minutes. Uh, the quality of competition is lower, uh, but we're, we're, we're sheltering you. But you are it's working. Like, again, he's got 15 points on the year in 26 games at a .58 points per game. His 15 points rank him sixth for skaters, rookie skaters, that is. Uh, and he's second, tied for second in goals with Josh Norris in Ottawa. Okay. Uh, but his ice time is a lot less than most of these guys. Like Kirill Kaprizov, all the guys above him are playing 15 minutes plus. Uh, Ty Smith playing 19 because he's a defenseman. Right. Uh, and then you got Walsh playing 11:44. Yeah, it's a gigantic drop off <laughs> comparatively. Right, but that that's so like that's so wild and how effective he is. Right, 11:44 of ice time, and he's got 15 points. Sure enough, there's quite a bit of that that's coming at the power play. Um, but still, he's getting his chances. His .58 points per game ranks, uh, if I take away anyone who's played um, less than 10 games, ranks him, where is he here? Uh, sixth still, uh, just because uh, Jared Anderson Dolan, whoever the heck that guy is, uh, comes in at number three. He was a lot higher than that beforehand, but still, .58 points per game ranks him sixth overall for rookies. Okay. That's, I mean, it's solid, and just be, I think it's because he's come on more recently that we don't realize just where he is production-wise comparatively to the rest of the rookies. Yeah, and like he's got 26 games played, which kind of fits with a lot of the other players when you look at the top crop, like 31, 32, 35, 24, 30, 36 are all the, the guys above him. Um, so like he's got quite a bit to catch up, but... They've been sheltering him. They've been prepping him. So he's probably not going to win the award this year unless something drastic happens. Uh, but, man, he's, I, I absolutely think he's going to factor in the discussion when it comes to um, the top three. 
Yeah, I would I would totally think so. And uh, that's that's impressive to have not one but two, like because we have another one to talk about in just a second here. Um, young guys, you have a Wallstrom at 20 years old. He's going to turn 21 in June. And Ilya Sorokin, who we're going to talk about in a second. Yeah, he's a little bit older, but he's still, you know, on the younger side. I'm more I'm talking about this for because you have people to build around on a younger core. Because I feel like the thing with the Islanders is they have the argument is they have oh way too many guys 30 or around 30 years old or a little bit above. Well, having the guys like Sorokin and Wallstrom come on as strongly as they have to go along with the Beauvilliers and the Barzals who are in their young 20s really helps. Yeah, absolutely. You're right. Cause, and then don't forget Noah Dobson, no too, Dobson right? too, right? Yeah. You've got, so you got 20-year-old uh, Oliver Wallstrom, 21-year-old Noah Dobson just turned 21 in January. And then you've got 25-year-old Ilya Sorokin, or is it 26 now? Either way, it doesn't matter. Uh, mid-20s. That's that's your core for this year going forward. And then, like you said, Barzal, 23. Beauvillier, 23. Like, that's insane. You know, that's good. That is a good group to have. And on top of that, yeah, they do have those guys in their young, young 30s at this point, too, who are a part of the core uh, going forward. But I I think it's a, it's a good mix to have uh, in a little bit of both. Right. So let, let's then get to Ilya Sorokin more specifically. Um, the guy ranks fourth for uh, rookie goalies in terms of wins at eight. He's five back from uh, Vitek Vanacek, who's played twice twice as many games. Uh, started, I should say, started twice as many games as Ilya Sorokin has, who has 11 to Vanacek's 22. Uh, Sorokin's 922 save percentage is uh, second for all rookies that have played at least 10 games in nets. Uh, Alex Delkovich for Carolina is at a 930. And okay. his 1.97 goals against average is second again to Nedeljkovic in Carolina. Right, who he's had a phenomenal year. But one, I mean, just look at those two numbers alone, 922 and a 197 uh, through 11 games. That's really, really good. Yeah, there's no question about it. This is really good. And it's good not only just for him, but compared to the rest of his peers, right? Like, again, when you look at the wins, he's uh, fourth for wins. When you got Lankinen in Chicago with 11, he's played 22 games. You got uh, Kapokakinen in, in Minnesota, who's got 12 wins, 17 games, so that's much better. Uh, and then Vitek Vanacek with 13 wins in 22 games. But again, Sorokin, eight in 11, man. Eight wins in 11 games, two of those being shutouts. That's incredible. No, it, it is. And more recently, you've seen him start to face a little bit more shots and have some good save percentages because earlier on when he was facing like in the low 20s and shots for the Islanders were really rolling. But and uh, let's look at his last three, 31 uh, shots against 24, which is low again, and then 37. But in the one with 31 shots against or shots faced, I guess, um, 30, uh, 935 save percentage and 973 last time out in 37 um, shots against against the Flyers. So that that's the thing, right? We saw with the first two games where the Islanders weren't doing anything to help them, like whatsoever, right? Like they 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 just like let them hang. To, they hang. Let him. My God, I can't speak. They let him hang to dry, and it, he he sw- he sunk. Right, like it did not go well his first two games, and then they started giving him some protection in, in terms of like. Limiting more, limiting the shots, getting to him. Right, we saw a lot of the the, the, the shots on net 
in his in his next couple of games after the first two where it's like 20, 21. You know, the low 20s kind of events. Um, but now they're taking that, that they're, they're more comfortable with him in that. And so they're taking more chances going forward and they're being more comfortable with their game knowing that, okay, well, if we, we let up an opportunity, Soros got our back and sure enough, he does. No, 100%. And he's been on his game and something that, was an issue, and, and it still might be, especially early in his career, uh, was the, the rebound opportunities that he was given up. And early on, that was the big critique. Oh, my God, this guy lives, gives up way too many big rebounds. He's gotten a lot better at that. It's noticeably different now, and it's only 11 games into his career, and it's something that he's going to continue to work on. To me, it was just crazy that you had so many people so critical <laughs> after two starts. He's a bust, Matt. He's horrible. He stinks after two games. And you're going, okay, yes, he has not been good these two games, but don't don't think this is what he's going to be like the rest of the way because that's not how this works. No, um, which that's not fair to him or to anyone. Class is permanent. Form is temporary. I like that. I want to get that tattooed on me. Do it. Do it. Oh, my <laughs> God, please do it. That'd be your first one. That'd be so great. No spelling mistakes. Don't get me to type it up for you. No, oh God. <laughs> LOL. Uh, anything else on either of these two before we keep it rolling? I just, I'm looking forward to the rest of the season. I, I'm sure Sorokin's going to have like a few sh- uh, shaky starts, and I'm sure Oliver Walsham goes on like a little bit of a point route here, but early signs show promise. Yeah, absolutely. So let's get into some of those prospects down on the farm, Mitch. Okay, so there's not a whole lot going on right now. Um, NCAA's on a bit of a break as they, they get into the uh, the final tournament here. Uh, there's a bit of a break going on in Sweden and in Finland where the rest of our prospects are. Uh, but out, outside of that, the WHL has started back up again, uh, specifically when it comes to their American teams where Reese Newkirk is playing. And uh, Reese Newkirk is killing it. He's played three games, has three... No, not sorry. He has five points already. Three goals, two assists to his name. Okay. Just absolutely killing it. Crushing it. We like to see that. And like five on five, power play, shorthanded. It is going well for him. Yeah, it's good to show like that he's doing a little bit of everything too. It's not like just one thing. Like it, it's a little, like I said, pretty much a little bit of everything, which is good. It shows he's yeah, productive. He's an older player. Uh, for them, he's in, I believe, his fourth year uh, with the Portland Winterhawks. It could be third. Either way, it doesn't matter. Uh, he had a really strong year last year at 65 points in 55 games. Uh, and the, the the goal for him this year is to get that professional contract, whether that's at mm-hmm. an AHL level or whether it's at the NHL level and he plays in Bridgeport next year. He's he's looking forward to take the next step in 21-22, and I guarantee it's going to happen. I He's going to get a contract. I don't have anyone telling me he's, they're going to sign him, but when you look at those numbers, what he does and how he plays, they're going to sign this kid. There's no way. Yeah, you can't let him walk for nothing. That would be a mistake. Yeah, so it's it's going to happen. What what they eventually agree to, we'll see, but I'm sure it's going to be some sort of like three-year ELC uh, or, or it's going to be an AHL contract. But with the numbers he's putting up, I'd be confident that he signs a, an, an NHL deal and just plays in Bridgeport for the next couple of years. Yeah, I would, I would tend to think so too. That seems to make a lot of sense. Right. So then we get to the NCAA tournament because that's really the only thing that's happening right now. Um, there are four teams that carry uh, Islanders prospects that made the show. Uh, so you have North Dakota, 
And so, like, the way that the four, the, 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 the tournament has been structured this year is they have four regions. They have the Fargo region, they have the Bridgeport region, and I forget the other two. Either way, doesn't matter because no. the, ours aren't in it aren't in the other two. So in the Fargo region, we have North Dakota, which has center Colin Adams playing. Okay. Uh, Adams has been outstanding this year, playing top line center minutes for the top rated program in the nation. They were the top, they, they were the top seed in the tournament. They're the number one seed in the entire thing. That's impressive. Okay. So they're a good team. Clearly. They're a very good team. Uh, the expectation is that they win it. They're going to go all the way and win this thing. Okay. And they even said at the start of the year that we have unfinished business. They were supposed to win it last year, but it got canceled well, because of COVID. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then we have in the Bridgeport bracket, it's the uh, Boston University, which has Logan Cockrell, and then Notre Dame, which has uh, Jacob Pavanka. Uh, okay. Either one of those aren't ranked. They've only ranked uh, the top four anyways, uh, and they are not one of them, of course. Uh, it was a surprise for Notre Dame to make the tournament because they weren't particularly good good they weren't bad but they weren't let's say good there were probably better teams that could have made it but it is what it is uh pavanka if if you don't know what he is he's not a uh, a great offensive forward but he's a good defensive one guy is killer in face off like yannick perot level face off man wow that's good we like that more of those please yeah and then you have boston university logan cockerel who's uh the captain of the team uh pretty good player if he ever makes the NHL, it's going to be a, a, a bottom six player, probably fourth line center a la Casey Zizekas, which okay. is fine, right? Like that, that there's, there's no insult in that whatsoever. If you can be like Casey Zizekas, good on you. No, that, there's absolutely roles to be had like that in the NHL. Uh, but the way that they, they, this is kind of structured for the, both of those other teams, I don't expect them to make it out, out of the first round. So Notre okay. Dame plays Boston College, which is the second ranked program in, uh, in, in the tournament. I don't think they're going to win. Uh, and then you have Boston University facing off against St. Cloud State. St. Cloud State came second to Notre Dame uh, to uh, um, um, North Dakota uh, in the NCHC. So, like, I, I really don't see them passing them either. Okay, so tough ask for both of those teams to get out of the first round. Yeah, I don't see them climbing into into this the second round at all whatsoever. Um, but yeah, so I, I, the money, my money is on North Dakota going all the way and winning it, and Colorado Adams hosting a trophy. Ooh, that'd be nice. Good for him. I, I, I think they're going to do it. We'll see that the Cole Caulfields of the world playing for Wisconsin are going to have something to say about that, I'm sure. Okay. Got to keep an eye on that. That's for sure. Yeah. So that that's all I've got for prospect updates. I had I did have a question for you on Ooh. prospects. So I, I saw I was I want a little bit more info because you wrote about uh, Bodie Wild and his trade value today. Yes. And how you were how it's a little bit down, but why that could be a good thing. So I was hoping to bring that to the podcast because I, I found that take interesting. Okay, so th- when I read Arthur Staples' piece from earlier yesterday, I think it was, when he spoke to like two uh, mystery executives, and because th- what they were doing is the Islanders fans were submitting trade requests or proposals, and like the uh, the executives were either swatting them down or saying that was good. And whenever Bodie Wild's name ca- kept up, they're like or came up, they would say like he's not really worth it, he's not that good of a prospect. Uh, I think there's one specifically for Taylor Hall. And the mystery executive says, uh, unless the Buffalo thinks uh, more of Bodie Wild than everyone else, this isn't going to happen. Which got me thinking, like, all right, like, they're really crapping on Bodie Wild here. Yeah, I'm surprised because if you remember from that draft, when we were looking at those mock drafts, Bodie Wild was someone who was supposed to go in the first round, not early, but somewhere around in the 20s, probably. 
was the assumption, and he fell to the Islanders at what, 42, something like that? I believe it's 43. So he's 43, Ishikov 45, I believe. Okay, still. Either either way, yeah, right. We're we're off by one. It's not in the semantics at this point. Yeah, you're right. He should have gone in the first round. He was supposed to go in the first round. And no one really knows, doesn't, sorry, no one really knows why he didn't. Um, it seems it's because he decommitted from Harvard and there was a second university that he decommitted from because he didn't want to play NCAA because you're, you're, you you don't play as much, like you don't get the Mm -hmm. same reps as you would somewhere else. So he wanted to go play OHL uh, and that's what he ended up doing with Saginaw and putting up monster points. Right, exactly. So a little surprised to hear that people are so down on him, but maybe it's a good thing for the Islanders in the long run. Right, so that, that's where I come into it going like, I also don't value him super high. I, I think Samuel Budzik and, and Robin Seller are better prospects today. Today they are better prospects. But the thing we know with defensemen is that it takes a while. Um, and the thing with Bodie Wild is that he's a risk taker. He's a risky forward or a defenseman who takes risky decisions in the offensive zone. Uh, but he's got the skill to pull them off more frequently than not. Uh, and... and GMs don't like that. So you got a guy who not only decommitted but takes risky decisions. GMs are risk averse already. But the Islanders know this about him and they they respect that about his game. That's why uh, you have Barry Trotz going like this guy could be a John Carlson type. Um, but they're gonna they're gonna give him the time it takes to mature and and get to the point where they want him to be. And what that means is they're gonna have to he's gonna have to learn how to play more defense, which is what he's doing now in Bridgeport. Right and. I'd have to imagine, based off that logic, he's still a little bit of ways away from the NHL. Which is why he isn't valued high. Yes, absolutely, you're right. Okay. How old is he again? 20, 21, I would guess. He'd be 20. He was drafted in 2018, in 2018. so 2021, yeah. Okay. I just don't know when his birth date is. Uh, I had it in my spreadsheet, but it takes a while to open up because there's a bunch of things going on there. So uh, he is 21 years old, January 24th, 2000. Okay, so just turn 21. All right, I'm intrigued. Give it a couple more years, maybe. Yeah, I think it's going to be the De- Devontae's type of thing. He may be here a little bit earlier, depending on how things work out. Uh, the fact that he's a right-hander helps him a bit, helps. because the two guys that we've got coming up are lefties. So. Okay, which is, I I think, a good thing, because if you look at the, the right side, it was Pulak that you had, and then you had No Dobson, and then you have Bodie Wild. So... Not a bad thing that a couple of lefties in the mix as well. Exactly, right. So we're going to need lefties just as much as we're going to need righties. So uh, his value is low in the trade market, which is perfectly fine for us. If he flies under the radar, great, cool, we're good. Sweet. So just wanted to get that in podcast form because I read that today and I thought it was an interesting take. Uh, So shall we get to the quiz, Mitch? Yes. As we do every week, we have a mystery New York Islander for Matt to guess. Uh, good thing I'm not on the other end because I think my record would be terrible. Um, but Matt, I have five clues to reveal a mystery New York Islander has something to do with 188. Although I went with 187 for some dumb reason, even though I wrote 188. Doesn't matter. Just roll okay. with it. Just roll with it. Me and my dumb mistakes. Are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. This would have been good for last week, but whatever. <laughs> One, and even then last week, I think I screwed up. Whatever. I was a fifth round pick by the Los Angeles Kings. Next. I have 87 career goals with the Islanders. 
Next. I've scored 30 plus goals in three straight years before coming to the Isle. The Island, sorry. See, I was going to say my guess was going to be Matt Molson because with the 30 goals and the Kings connection, but I, that is, I know that's not correct, so I don't know yet. I love shopping at Eaton's. I figured that might trigger something. That was clue number four, so it's supposed to be a little bit easier. Yeah, yeah. It's a department store. Oh, uh, oh, 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 oh. Uh, oh. Okay. Shoot. Okay, so someone in the in the toy department. Scoring. Kings. It's you not got much it. scoring. It's not much yeah. scoring. <laughs> yes, Is it too much scoring? Who's a fifth round scoring. pick? Yeah. Really? Okay. Yeah. Fifth round pick, like fifty first overall in nineteen sixty eight, I think it was. Uh fifth one was I was the missing piece to the dynasty. Okay. See, that wasn't... I didn't think we were going to go that direction. When I saw it come up, I, I think that's why I went with it anyways, even though I wrote 188. It's because I saw it and I was like, I have to do Butch Gorin. It has to happen. Um, but yeah, he's got 33, 30, 37, 36 goals in the, the years leading up to uh, being traded to the island uh, in mm -hmm. 1980. Uh, that year, he had 20 goals for the Kings and then six for the Islanders in 12 games. Okay, see, my brain, my, which I, I know it's not correct. I know my first two weren't correct, but my brain was going Thomas Hickey, Matt Molson, and like I, Butch Goring wasn't registering until the very end. Okay. I kind of figured that. And then, like Thomas Hickey, wasn't he like a fourth overall too? Yeah. No, he, he was a fourth overall pick. But That's I, wild. I don't, yeah, I, I don't know why, but that was what was coming to my brain at first. Not Kings. Kings and then Islanders. And then, well, trade. I, well, I didn't say trade, but still. Still. Either way. Absolutely. So, okay. There we go. Shall we get into the social segment now, Mitch? Yes, sir. All right. What do we got? First one from me is from Mike Comito. Everyone knows who he is. On this day in 1984, this day being March 22nd, uh, Brian Trache scored, uh, wasted no time. In just five seconds, he beat Bruins goaltender Doug Keens, tying Doug Smales. Smiles, Smalls, whatever, S-M-A-I-L-S, NHL record for fastest goal from the start of a game. And it's got the whole thing because it's only five seconds long. Puck drops, wins it off, like going forward, pumps it through the defenseman and walks in slap shot through. <laughs> I counted it and it's one, two, three, four, slap shot in. <laughs> That's insane. That's nuts. It's so insane that, like, just the tenacity. Like, he worked this one through everyone and just, boom, unbelievable. Of course, Love you probably it. couldn't score like that nowadays, but still. No, but still a sight to see. I love, I love those from him, by the way, those this day in history kind of things. Um, my first one comes from Brendan Burke, and it was from two days ago. He says, for everyone who doesn't understand why Isles fans feel like they get no respect, this is an article about Taylor Hall from Sportsnet. Tell me why this is the first line about the Islanders as they sit tied for second overall in the league standings. The first line says, The Isles might not be the first team most hockey fans jot down when listing 2021 Cup contenders yet. 
that's that's it. That's it in a nutshell. I mean that. I mean, it, uh, Brendan perfectly surmises it. Like they still. I mean, you're going to discredit them. They're sitting second in the league, and it's, they got no shot apparently. And it's not just like a second in the league for a hot second, right? It's not like oh, they've played eight games more than everyone else. Of course, like they have the more chances. No, 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 no. <laughs> They're just really good. They've been in that discussion for weeks now. Yeah. Um. So that was. I don't know. Worthwhile to share, at least. It's annoying, and and it gets long because at one point you're like, "All right, guys, like we've been good for three years now. Three years. Yeah, we had that blip in year two, uh, but we did it year one, and we're doing it again in year three. It's clearly not a fluke. Uh, this is a trend. Um, when are you gonna get on board? And the answer is never, because lols, you guys were bad in the nineties. And you're like, "All right, well, like, can you not forget that for a second? No, lols, fishermen." All right, well, we like that now, guys. No, still lols. All right, just uh, apparently the NHL it, yeah. can't get past the 90s, it seems. Yeah, it seems that way. The The narratives have to live forever, I think. Apparently. Um, which is funny because this kind of leads into my, my second one here. Uh, this is from the NHL Public Relations Twitter. Uh, it says, Ilya Sorokin extended his win streak to 8-0-0 on Monday. Although, like, why would it be anything else but 0-0 if it's a win streak? Anyways. Yeah. Uh, only two Islanders goaltenders have posted a longer run, Halak in 1415 with 11 games, and mm-hmm. Billy Smith in 8182 with 10 games. Uh, now, the, the reason I really wanted to bring this up because of, is because of the picture they used, and it's Sorokin in full like splits, and yeah, like yeah. my groin sp- splits in two just watching this. Um, but the reason I want to bring this up now is because I noticed the first comment here from Nicholas uh, Behrens. Sorry, Nicholas, I, I screwed up your last name. And he says, shh. We don't do well with positive attention. Forget us, write us off, tell us we're good, but not great. <laughs> That's so true. We don't know what to do with our hands when it comes to um, all this attention. Which kind of plays into what we had earlier, right? We, we seek it, but then when we get it, we're like a dog, right? That, you know, chasing its tail. Once we get it, we're going like, oh, now what? Now what do, now I, do? What do I do? Yeah, exactly. That's a perfect analogy. Uh, my last one is from the Islanders official Twitter account and it says end your day with the best thing you'll see all day and it's this guy and the, the at is falling in sand and oh, he yes. makes the Islanders logo out of sand uh, I and in a cup I wa- I'm still watching the video on a loop right now I have no idea how I would even go about trying to attempt something like that I remember doing something like that in grade school and, and keep in mind it was grade school. So it's real basic. You're just moving things around to form like dumb clouds. I couldn't imagine like the, the thought of like, this is how much sand I need to do an L like what? And then to do, and then look, everything is perfect. Oh, I'm just going to do a long Island here. That's not easy to do. Right. Cause you got to kind of like the U shape at the end of Suffolk County, right? Where you got Montauk on one side. Yeah. And I forget what's below it there, but it looks kind of like a U. How do you do that with sand? Um, I the I'm still mess- the stripes on the stick on the logo are there. It's insane. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's wild. People are talented. Yes, I wish I was that good at anything in life, not just that, but just anything at all. Anything for sure. <laughs> what um, do you got? My last one here is from Keith Napolitano at Niles at Isles Napolitano. And it's uh, it's a GIF, and the, the the caption I guess is Sorokin looking at the rest of his Isles team, and it's um <laughs> it's from Jurassic Park when um, Jeff Goldblum's character walks up to a pile <laughs> of Triceratops dung. Oh no! 
because they were poop. They were poop that night. They are awful, right? This is the the, the last game that they played. Yeah, against They're, Philly. Against Philly, they were all bad except for Ilya Sorokin. If not for him, and, and a timely goal by Oliver Wilson, they don't they don't have a chance of winning that game. Yep, one thousand percent. That's that's funny. I like that. That's a good meme. Yeah. All right. So before we go, let's get some plugs in here. So wherever you are listening to the show, please make sure to give a rating and review that really helps us out a lot. We appreciate it. We Mitch, can we say it on the pod? Recently got into the top forty for hockey yes! podcasts. Let's that's do pretty it. Cool. Yeah. That's all, all hockey podcasts in the U.S. Right? Like that's just all yeah. like in Croatia or something. No disrespect to all the Croatian listeners out there. No. So we we really do appreciate all the love and support, and it does help. So thank you for doing that. Uh, you can also subscribe, speaking of subscribing, to the Patreon, patreon.com slash eyes on aisles. You get bonus content there. So for $5 a month, you get a post-game podcast for each and every game. You get a mailbag show, which we're about to record. Uh, you get a community of Islanders fans. You get predictions before every game. It's a blast over there. Yeah, we got 21 questions to get to. And like, just in case you're wondering, it's not like, is a hot dog a sandwich type of questions, although those are great. We get those every now and again. Some like, of those are fun, yeah. We got some long questions, and like we're really dissecting questions in the, in this mailbag. It's not just like, do you like water? Yes. No, no, there's some really thought-out answers that we have to give. It's incredible. Yeah. Full-length, 40-minute podcast, usually. 30, yeah. 40 minutes. Our patrons are like, man, they, they do their research more than we do, I think. Maybe they should have the podcast. What are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, also social media at Eyes on Isles FS on Twitter, my Twitter at Matt O'Leary NY. Mitch is over at TLO Mitch. Facebook, facebook.com slash Eyes on Isles. You could download the fan sided app and subscribe to us that way. Um, getting your Islanders push notifications through that, or visit the website eyesonisles.com for any and all New York Islanders needs. So, that's going to do it for us, Mitch, on episode 188. Maybe Look. next week you'll get the number right. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Oh, boy. That's going to do it for us on episode 188. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Matt O'Leary. He is Mitch Anderson, and we'll talk to you next time. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.